Something to note, Paradise Lost is one of the most influential epic poems of all time. For this adaptation, we've streamlined the story and supplemented it with additional research into the literary influences of John Milton. It may not be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you enjoy it. The trees were thick and impenetrable, rising so high they almost touched the heavens. A ring of clouds encircled them, the center bathed in sunlight. At the top of the canopy, perched like a crown, sat the garden. Before or since, there has never been such a beautiful place to wake up. The first thing the woman saw when she opened her eyes was her partner. He lay by her side, limbs draped over her. He was a beautiful man, so like her, and yet so different. A moment later, he too awoke. As he looked at her, she fell in love all over again. And yet, she was not entirely comfortable. A feeling stirred in her gut, a feeling of guilt? But what did she have to be guilty of? There was only one law in this paradise, and neither of them had broken it. I I had the most curious dream, Adam. It was... I, I don't know how to describe it. It disturbed me. The man sat up, eyebrows knitted in concern. The woman's guilt only increased, but she kept speaking. It was too late to keep her feelings to herself. I opened my eyes to see the stars above us, blindingly bright in the night sky. I thought I had woken up, but when I turned over, I saw that you had disappeared. I was alone. Then I heard a voice, sweet and strange, like the angels who protect the boundaries of this garden. Why do you sleep, Eve? Now is the pleasant time, the cool, the silent hours. See how heaven awakes with all his eyes to gaze on your beauty. Something about this voice was irresistible. I arose to follow it. You should have seen how bright the garden was in the moonlight. Beautiful one. The voice guided me past the tree of life, to the tree of knowledge, which looked as if it was cast in silver. There you are. He was even more beautiful than his melodious voice. His attention was not upon me, but the tree itself. He whispered to it like a lover. Will no one loosen your burden, fair plant? No god nor man. Is knowledge so despised? He reached up to pluck one of the fruits, and my gut seized with terror. What if an angel saw and blamed us? I ran forward to stop him, and then I woke up. The woman looked to the man for answers, but he said nothing. Lacking an explanation or any words of comfort, he pulled her close. The woman melted into his embrace with ease, and soon her unpleasant dream faded into her memory. 
she reached up to dry her tears and felt something strange beside her ear, a sort of slime. She wiped it away and thought no more of it. Meanwhile, the creature who whispered this dream into her mind vanished unnoticed into the undergrowth. The man and the woman were happy. Neither could see that their time in paradise was starting to run out. The gentle-voiced stranger had planted the seed of their ruin. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today, we're reaching the part of the story where Paradise Lost gets the most biblical. After Satan's failed war in heaven and his nightmarish odyssey out of hell, he comes to the Garden of Eden. There, John Milton reacquaints the reader with the story of Genesis as it occurs in the Bible, a man and a woman living in a pristine garden with only one rule to follow. They cannot eat from the tree of knowledge. This is perhaps the most tiresome section to the modern reader. In the original poem, Milton lifts whole passages from the book of Genesis to fill out his epic. But don't worry, the story we're telling today is not your typical Bible study. Here, the well-worn tale of the Garden of Eden is placed in the context of Satan's ongoing war with heaven. Last week, he convinced the other demons that all-out war was fruitless. If they couldn't wound God with cannon fire, they would instead do it by poisoning his new creation, humankind. Coming up, an invader brings corruption into paradise. The sun burned high above the Garden of Eden, Far below, at the base of the trees that protected it, stood an angel. He was called Ithuriel, one of the cherubim guarding the borders of Eden. He looked out onto the wastelands of the young earth, his golden spear glistening in the sunlight. He was proud of his job, but at this precise moment, he was also very, very bored. Uh, Ithuriel! Sethin, I didn't see you there. A second angel alighted beside Ithuriel. Unlike Ithuriel, he had no spear, only a golden shield fastened to his arm. Ithuriel, what are you doing? Falling asleep on the job? I'm doing no such thing. I'm following Gabriel's orders, protecting paradise from all intruders. I'm guarding the garden, if you will. <laughs> now is not the time for jokes, Cherub. We are entrusted with a sacred duty. This is not something to make puns about. So I take it your post is just as boring as mine. I will not dignify such a crass question with an answer. (sighs) Did Gabriel say how long we were supposed to... No, he did not. Tell me you weren't dozing off when he gave us this assignment too. There's so much to keep track of in heaven these days. What with the war, the rebellion of... Do not speak his name! I wasn't going to. Sounded like you were. What are we supposed to call him if we can't say his name? The Adversary. 
You know, I think that calling him that just gives him more mystique. What if we called him that guy who did the bad thing? <sighs> you know what I mean. The adversary just has such gravitas. Ethereal, you're an idiot. The Almighty wants us to never forget what Lucifer... What the adversary did. It'll be a warning to those who lose faith and defy heaven. Oh. He could have just told us. What? I mean, he could have just told us, don't defy heaven. If you do, I'll do bad things to you. Tartarus, fiery torture, all that. You must have faith in the grand plan. Oh, I, I have faith. Oodles of faith. I just don't really understand why there are so many of us needed to protect one garden. Enough. Come here. Zephan took Ethereal by the hand. The two angels soared from the base of the trees all the way to the top of the canopy where Eden sat. Other angels patrolled back and forth across the sky. Water glistened from the creeks and pools below, making the whole garden look like a many-faceted gem. This creation is unlike anything in the cosmos, Ethereal. It's paradise. And paradise is fragile. The slightest imbalance could ruin it all. Oh, hello. Look over there. Ethereal pointed. Two naked figures ran through the glade, laughing as they went. At their heels were animals of all sorts. Lions, sheep, tigers, birds of prey, and gentle amphibians. I've never seen the humans before. They're kind of cute, aren't they? I don't know why God had to make them so fleshy, all full of blood and meat. It's icky. Now who's questioning the grand plan? I... Shut up! Suddenly, the air around the angels changed. The pleasant warmth of the sun gave way to darkness. Clouds swirled around the trees, making the nearby angels stir restlessly. What's going on? I don't know. Angels! Guardians of the Garden, gather at the Eastern Gate. The two angels dove and flew, skirting the borders of Eden. They followed the path of the descending sun until it was only a dull orange glow on the horizon. Before them loomed the Eastern Gate of Eden, an alabaster rock face jutting out from the boundary of trees. There, Gabriel sat, his chin resting upon his hand. All the nearby angels gathered around him, standing at attention. Ithuriel and Zephan alighted by this group, weaving their way towards the front. Excuse us! Cherubim, coming through! Ithuriel, shh! Gabriel is about to speak. Right. Sorry. <clears throat> Angels of Paradise, be warned. There's a danger in our midst. I just spoke to our comrade Uriel, who safeguards the source of light and warmth for this new creation. Not long ago, he encountered a strange individual flying above the earth, a cherub who introduced himself as Noctifer, inquiring after the location of Eden. Noctifer, 
That sounds a little like... As I'm sure many of you already know, there is no cherub by this name in our ranks. This imposter cannot be allowed entrance to the garden. I'm sure you don't need me to remind you, this garden was created to restore the balance of the universe after the war. If a creature from the abyss has found its way here, who knows what damage it could do. We'll be doubling the guard tonight. Watch your post closely. There's no way of knowing what form he will take to sneak his way into Eden. The angels took to the sky. Ithuriel and Zephin went to follow them, only to feel a tap upon their shoulders. Somehow heavy and light at the same time, the touch of a powerful angel. Not you two. Come with me. Uh, Of course, Gabriel. What do you wish of us? I need you to go into the garden itself. We need to make sure that the interloper has not already penetrated the boundaries of Eden. As you command. And one last thing. Make sure that neither the man nor the woman notice your presence. They cannot know anything is wrong. Their innocence must be protected at all costs. Without another word, Gabriel soared away to join the other angels patrolling the perimeter. Ithuriel and Zephan exchanged a look. What if it's... They say he was one of the most powerful angels, that he cut down hundreds on the battlefield. Calm yourself. Tartarus is impossible to escape from. I'm sure it's just a demogorgon that crawled up from chaos. Didn't that supposed to make me feel better? Those things are terrifying! The two angels readied their weapons. Ithuriel hefted his spear, and Zephan tightened his grip on his shield. Together, they entered the garden. At night, Eden was a completely different world. Things that slept in the daytime emerged to take in the starlight. Small, crawling things with many eyes and sharp pincers. There was no violence in Eden, but the sight of these nocturnal creatures chilled Ithuriel. Shh! Over here! Zephan beckoned Ithuriel over to a bush. Good night, Adam. There, on a bed of soft grass, the man and the woman slept, intertwined in each other's arms. Sweat from their bodies glinted in the dark. They look so... sticky. Why does their skin excrete like that? I think they do that when they... exert themselves. You're right. The design is a... peculiar one. What's that on her head? Something small and brown crawled along the woman's cheek, leaving a trail of slime as it went. I think God calls that a frog. Are they supposed to be able to talk? Both angels leaned forward. Sure enough, the lumpy creature was whispering into Eve's ear. Not a ribbit, but barely discernible words. Why do you sleep, Eve? Now is the pleasant time, the cool, the silent hours. No, they are not supposed to do that. The two angels did not dare disturb the creature while it was so close to Eve. They waited, watching with unblinking eyes. Soon enough, it hopped off and began waddling toward a nearby pond. 
Ready your spear. Wait for it to get close. Now? Wait. Now! Ithuriel burst from the bush, thrusting forward with his spear. The toad croaked in alarm and leapt toward the water, but not quickly enough. The tip of Ithuriel's spear grazed its leg. As it fell, the creature transformed, its legs elongated, its head stretched, six wings sprouted from its back, and its eyes shrank into its skull. The creature landed in the pond with a heavy splash. Ithuriel and Zephin stood over the crumpled figure, eyes wide. Its general shape was like an angel, six wings, two arms, and two legs, but its skin was burnt and scarred, its hands shaped like claws. Zephin, look, I think it's that guy who did the bad thing. Coming up, Satan is captured once again. Listeners, most of you probably know that I host another podcast series called Serial Killers. What you may be surprised to learn is that we've been working on that podcast for five years now. So as a special treat for the fans, we've prepared an anniversary series examining the mythology surrounding four of the most feared killers who ever lived. Kemper, Gacy, Bundy, Dahmer. This four-part series uncovers the men behind the mayhem, analyzing what turned them into killers and how their lethal behavior made them renowned for all the wrong reasons. Serial Killers is the perfect podcast for any true crime or storytelling fan, and this fifth anniversary special is not one to miss. Check it out today by following Serial Killers, free and only on Spotify. Now back to the story. Satan, awake. That was a dirty trick, angels. Ah, he's conscious! Satan shook his head, the fog in his mind clearing. Two terrified angels stood over him, one holding a spear and the other a gleaming shield. He sneered. Corrupting this serene garden had been so easy it had made him careless. He'd allowed two cherubim to sneak up on him. After so much time away from heaven, the touch of the angel's spear had been like an electric bolt through Satan's body. He slowly rose to his full height, glowering at the two cherubim. Stay back, fiend! Very imposing. Do you want to try that again without the stutter? How did he get out of hell? Shh, we can't be sure it's him. Let's not jump to conclusions. Besides, he can hear what you're saying. If it helps, he doesn't care much what you have to say. I should be going. I have more important things to do. No, you don't. Stay where you are. I don't? Do you mean I don't have more important things to do, or that I don't have to be going? Both. Uh, Neither. I mean... We will not humor your trickery. That's right. Surrender to us. 
<laughs> Are you going to poke me again, Cherub? I've been in this garden for only an evening, and I've seen tree frogs with more holy might than you two. Identify yourself, Trickster! What is your purpose in this garden? Identify myself? Don't waste my time with stupid questions. If you don't recognize me, you wouldn't be able to recognize your own reflections. Now let me pass. I said stay back! Ithuriel lunged forward. Satan sidestepped, allowing the angel's spear to embed itself in the tree behind him. Before Ithuriel could recover, Satan struck him on the side of the head, sending him staggering away. Satan approached Zephan, spreading his arms wide. You know my name. Say it. Your arrogance blinds you, deceiver. If you think you still look as fair as an angel, you are a greater fool than either of us. Ha! This cherub does have some spirit after all. I was thinking after fighting hellhounds and staring chaos eye to eye, you would all seem soft in comparison. Stand down. Adversary. Uh, Gabriel has charged us with keeping this garden uncorrupted. We will not let you go any farther. A voice rose in the back of Satan's mind. It belonged to his consort, Sin, who stood thousands of miles away by the gates of hell. Listen to them, Satan. Remember, you did not wish for another open war. But it would be so fun to tear them limb from limb. Patience. They are but the fingers of God's red right hand. Do not waste your time trying to break them. Speak, adversary. Stop your muttering and surrender to us. Remember why you are here. Very well. Take me to Gabriel. I would rather deal with him than with either of you. The two cherubim cautiously led Satan to the eastern gate, both eyeing him for any sign of a trick. Gabriel found them there, and on seeing Satan, his eyes widened in horror. Prince of Hell. Lackey of Heaven. Where did you find him? In the garden. Hiding in a bush beside the Tree of Life, to be precise. In the form of a frog. Ethereal spear revealed his true form. Is that so? What brings you here, disgraced one? Why have you broken the bonds prescribed to you for your transgressions? <laughs> Gabriel, I used to think you were among the wisest in heaven, but this question, it puts all my assumptions in doubt. Did you expect me to wallow in defeat, to accept my torments as comforts? Believe me, if you were in my place, even you, pious Gabriel, would find a way to escape and flee as far away from your chains as you could. I would not be in your place, Satan. True enough. But let me ask you this. If your god is so all-knowing, surely he would have barred the adamantine gates of hell and made my path impossible. So, if you want to know how I escaped, ask him. Did you bring your followers with you, Satan? Do not lie to me. I am alone, and I have committed no violence in this garden. You hit me in the head! No unprovoked violence. Why do I find that hard to believe? You would not crawl your way out of an inescapable prison just to see the sights. 
I come here to find a more pleasant abode for my followers. Hell is, I'm afraid, a bit uncomfortable. Unlike your ruler, I reward their faith in me. Faith among the faithless! Your army of fiends deserves no respite! Um, Gabriel, he's goading you to- Silence! I will drag you back to the pit before I see you make a home on Earth! The gates of hell will be resealed! You will all be forgotten! Chained in darkness forever! Gabriel's six wings spread wide behind him, and a gleaming spear appeared in his hands. He began to glow, bright and red, forcing Ethereal and Zephyr to avert their eyes. The army of angels formed a phalanx around Gabriel and Satan, blocking every possible exit. A dome of shining shields and pointed spears closed over them, cutting out almost all the light from above. Satan's eyes blazed with fury. When I am your captive, talk of chains. Until then, hold your tongue. Satan ripped the weapons from Ethereal and Zephyn's grip. In his hands, the gold tarnished and warped, turning from a polished spear into a rusted poleaxe. He grew in size, rising until the tips of his wings nearly touched the shields that formed the dome around them. Shadows, sharp as knives, rose around him, ready to strike. Satan. I cannot step away from this challenge, Sin. Not until he gives me an opening. Gabriel did not back down. The Red Angel rose to meet Satan, his spear held at the ready. Then he pointed upwards. Look up, Satan. The Almighty sees you. Your fate is written in the heavens. The angels parted overhead to reveal a blinding light that formed a pair of scales, scales that tipped towards Gabriel. I will win this fight, for I have his power on my side. <laughs> you were a powerful warrior once, Gabriel. Only a coward calls upon their god to fight their battles for them. Satan hefted the transformed spear over his head and threw it towards Gabriel. The seraph shifted to the side, and it crashed into the wall of angels, scattering them like leaves. With a shriek, the gathered shadows flew outward, breaking the phalanx. The air filled with feathers and screams, angels breaking formation in their confusion. Until next time, Seraphim! Satan took to the air, returning to his normal size as he flew. He swung Zephyn's shield, using it to bat away any angel that attempted to restrain him. By the time the army of angels had reassembled, the adversary was gone, and with him fled the shades of night. Be on high alert, all of you. I'll head to the Almighty and request more support. Satan will not evade us for long. All the remaining angels took to the sky, circling Eden like a halo. Their spears shone in the sunlight, ready to strike the adversary the moment they saw him. 
but they did not fly directly over the garden for fear of disturbing the peace of the man and the woman, which is why Satan remained undetected, for he had flown straight into the branches of a tree in the center. There he sat watching the angels. What happened, Satan? Did you do battle with the angel? No, Sin. I took your advice. Defeating Gabriel would have been a fruitless victory. Besides, watching my former brothers drive themselves crazy looking for me is far more entertaining. Tell me what you see. I see infinite power, the righteous and good, all unable to catch one fallen angel. <laughs> I do not see the humor. What victory can you have here now that they've discovered you? You do not know them the way I do, Sin. They appear strong, but their strength comes from the Almighty. My strength is my own. My cunning is my own. I cannot with them because I answer to no one. Something caught Satan's eye in the sky above him, one particular angel circling with the rest, the shape was familiar to him, and yet... It can't be. He's a seraphim. He wouldn't be down here with the rank and file. Unless... The shape vanished among the circling clouds of angels before Satan could stare any longer. A shiver passed along his spine. Satan, what is the matter? Nothing. I was distracted. Slowly, Satan descended into the underbrush. The grass was cool and prickly to his touch. Animals bounded past him on either side. As he watched, a large orange cat with black stripes lowered its head to the grass to eat. Why did it give you claws, Great One? Is your only prey these shrubs and plants? The tiger did not answer, padding away without giving Satan a look. Fascinating. Everything here is so delicate. The Almighty has given these creatures the strength and tools to destroy each other, but not the will. Oh, I wish you could see this sin. Every creature here is completely innocent, especially the humans. <sighs> Tell me of them. Utterly devoted to each other. They think of almost nothing else. They eat, they play, they kiss and caress each other. It's all so... sweet. Hmm. You sound like you're growing fond of them. There is an appeal, yes. I know how it feels to be in love. But don't worry, Sin. The charms of paradise do not move me. Hell burns within me always. And they can sense it. The humans will be able to feel the presence of hell. Not consciously. Last night, I began my work. I whispered into the woman's ear while she slept. You see, they have been given one rule upon which this entire paradise rests. God has told them that they cannot eat from the tree of knowledge. I see. And you will make them break this one rule? 
It's almost too easy. Both of them are so naive. I've manipulated gods and angels. Twisting the minds of mortals should be. Suddenly, Satan felt a change in the air. A pleasant warmth with just a touch of electricity. It was a feeling he'd never noticed before his expulsion from heaven, but it was unmistakable. A seraph was near. Satan crouched behind a bush and watched as a glowing figure alighted not a dozen yards before him. For a horrible moment, he thought it was Abdiel, the only angel he dreaded encountering. But a moment later, he recognized the enemy. Raphael. I have not met this one. He is God's propagandist, a gifted storyteller who keeps a record of all things that transpire in heaven. If God's sending him here, it meant he wanted the humans to be informed of the danger they're in. Quite the unexpected strategy, I must say. <laughs> well played, creator. But it won't be enough to stop me. Coming up, Satan makes his move. Now back to the story. Adam, look, it's an angel. You'd think they'd be used to the sight by now. The man and the woman stood speechless as Raphael, the sociable spirit, alighted before them. From the shadows, Satan watched the mortals greet their divine guest. He stood out of earshot of most of their conversation, but he still knew the sorts of things they discussed. Once or twice, his own name floated across the air towards him, and he felt a sting of fiendish glee. I know the story you're telling them, Raphael. You're telling them of a rebellion that came from nowhere. How you were all appalled that I could do something so inexplicable. You won't tell them how I begged you all to see reason, or how the ones who came with me came willingly, not wanting to destroy, but create. He watched the expressions of the man and the woman change from curiosity to fear, and as they blanched in shock, he smiled. These creatures know nothing of war, nothing of betrayal. Raphael's description will make me a monster in their eyes. And perhaps I am, if my enemy is the one who decides what is a monster and what is not. Does a woman know where her dream came from last night? That I was the one whispering it to her? Satan watched as the woman looked from Raphael to her partner and back again. She seemed like she was about to speak, but every time she opened her mouth to do so, the man interjected with a question of his own. Raphael answered, and the woman never got her chance. I've seen enough. Enjoy the story of my war, man and woman, for you're about to become its latest victims. Night fell swiftly over Eden. Even in the dark, every fiber of the garden vibrated with the energy of fresh life. The woman could no longer appreciate this beauty. She lay in her partner's arms, struggling to sleep. 
Raphael had told them the story of the war in heaven, how an enemy who fell from heaven may wish to do them harm. How could one sleep peacefully after that? Even as she lay still, she recalled Raphael's description of the adversary. High was his degree in heaven, his countenance as the morning star that guides the starry flock. And with lies, he drew after him a third of heaven's host. What sort of creature is this adversary? What does he want with us? Beside her, the man mumbled and turned over. His arm slid away from her breast, allowing a chill breeze to take its place. She shivered. It had never been cold in Eden before. She looked out of their bower onto the garden where the animals slept. The sharp edges of moonlight seemed soft and unfocused. She rubbed her eyes, but they remained hazy. A mist had settled upon the garden. She pulled herself closer to the man, clinging to his warmth. The woman slept fitfully, but did not dream. The following morning, she approached the man with a suggestion. Adam, we have so many plants to tend to. Perhaps we should go our separate ways for the day to cover more ground? I know this seems silly, but if we are not around to distract each other, perhaps we can accomplish all of our daily tasks before noon. A flicker of doubt crossed the man's eyes. The woman expected this. No doubt he wanted to protect her from the danger they had learned of last night. To head off his protest, she spoke again. I know what you're going to say. I too heard Raphael's warning. But we should not fear. We are protected by our creator. If this adversary attempts to harm us, he will receive the full wrath of the Almighty. The best thing we can do right now is to make use of the paradise he has given us. With a kiss, the woman soothed the man's worries, but as he left, she felt her reassuring smile melt from her face. Even though she'd spoken of not giving into paranoia, she watched every corner for signs of this enemy. She needed time alone to consider the new threat they'd been warned about. If she and Adam were always together, he would start to feel her fear as well, and their paradise would be spoiled. The best thing she could do was to calm herself and return to him with warmth. She wandered from plant to plant, not paying too much heed to where her feet took her. After much wandering, she stopped. <sighs> of course I'd wind up here. She was standing beneath the tree of knowledge, and hanging low before her was the fruit that their creator had forbidden them from eating. They were a ruddy golden color, soft and eternally ripe. The light played off the fruit's skin in shimmering, iridescent patterns. She eyed the fruit curiously, but with no real temptation. Only two nights had passed since she dreamed of a fair stranger attempting to steal it. But she'd convinced herself that this was no expression of desire on her part. It was like how one stands on a cliff's edge and imagines falling, an impulse of the imagination warning her away from danger. 
all of a sudden, she heard a voice, a soft muttering in the grass. I, who contented with gods, am now constrained into a beast, mixed with bestial slime. Hello? Who's there? Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't see you there. From the grass beside the tree emerged a small creature. It was long and thin, scaled, with many legs pulling it inch by inch across the ground. The man had named this a serpent, though something seemed different about its eyes. They appeared sharper than when she last glimpsed it creeping through the grass. The serpent stared at her, forked tongue flicking in and out of its mouth. What are you staring at? Forgive me, I was transfixed by your beauty. I have glimpsed you a couple of times, but you truly are a goddess among gods. You can speak? I thought that was just my imagination. Your surprise is understandable. I was like all the other beasts until very recently. How did you gain the power of speech? Well, I woke up and I was famished. The nearest thing to me was the beautiful fruit hanging from this tree. I took one bite, and suddenly, I understood things that my primitive brain had never considered, including the language of gods and men. I am so sorry. What? Why? You have no reason to be. I feel incredible. God has forbidden man and woman to eat from this tree. I can only imagine what he'll do to a serpent who has broken such laws. He forbade you? Of course he did. What do you mean by that? I beg your pardon, fair Eve. If I told you what I was thinking, you would think the worst of me. I must be going. Stay! Please. I will not judge you. Tell me what you mean by reacting in that way. Only that, well, God is generous and great and a talented creator... But there is one thing he cannot give his creations. Free will. I don't understand. I have free will. Adam does too. We choose what we do with our days, how we spend our time. Ah, That's not free will, that's habit. The tree, on the other hand. He didn't forbid you from eating its fruit. He gave you a choice. If he made this tree freely available to you, knowledge would be cheap as dirt. You're a clever creature, Serpent. But, but, but I daren't presume the way that you do. Without his protection, we will be vulnerable to the adversary. (laughs) What better protection against evil can you have than knowledge? We will be safe here, as long as we follow the rules. I know what you're going through. It's terrible doubting your creator like this. But listen, what will you do in this garden, not knowing if the adversary is lurking around every corner? Will you wait for another angel to come and tell you the coast is clear, or watch as they keep you in the dark? They did wait until after my dream to tell us. They warn you that the adversary is going to ruin this paradise for you. From my perspective, he already has. Your fear has made Eden a prison. In their eyes, you are lesser. A butterfly to be kept safe, but never allowed to fly. He told me I would die if I ate this fruit. 
Not at all, Eve. Trust me. You will live. Hand shaking, Eve reached toward the tree. Something about her movement felt numb, inevitable. There was desire in her heart, desire to know as much as she could. But there was also a strange sense of relief, as if she'd been holding her breath her entire life and was finally being allowed to let it out. She brought the fruit to her mouth and took a bite. Nothing had ever tasted so sweet. When she opened her eyes, she saw Adam standing not far from her, eyes wide open in shock. There was a wreath of roses in his hands. He let it drop, and when it hit the earth, the red petals scattered in the grass like dead leaves. I gave her only what she secretly desired. And with one bite, all hell broke loose. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Every Wednesday, we dive into the dark origins of another classic fable. We'll be back next week with the final chapter of this epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Nick Johnson, Trent Williamson, and Carly Madden. This episode of Mythology was written by Robert Teamstra, edited by Molly Quinlan and Andrew Kelleher, fact-checked by Haley Milliken, researched by Adriana Gomez, and produced by Freddie Beckley. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Jerry Courtney Austin, Brian Green, Drew Lawn, and Cameron Nikad. I'm Vanessa Richardson. <laughs>